You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. Today it's a great pleasure to introduce a friend of mine from the city of Devonport in Tasmania, northern Tasmania. Not a big city, but a very beautiful place. And this is Andrew Hillier, a local pastor there who's involved far more than just his local church, very involved in the wider community and the state. Andrew, it's great to have you. Welcome. Thank you, Ian. It's it's a wonderful thing to be able to uh, share with you. And and I want to acknowledge your uh, great passion for uniting the the uh, leaders and churches around the, around the country. Thank you for that. You do wear several hats. I'll let you explain that and a little of the detail of what God has put on your plate. I... Uh, currently am the, the CEO of, of an organisation called Loaves and Fishes Tasmania, which is a uh, food rescue um, organisation that works across the whole of Tasmania. Uh, and I might explain that a little bit more later. I'm also the CEO of Devonport Chaplaincy, which is a localised ministry of the local churches in this region. Uh, we place chaplains and mentors into all of our public schools across this area. So we've got uh, 14 chaplains currently, um, and it is actually a outworking of the local churches, the local Devonport churches across this region. And I also chair the uh, Devonport Christian Leaders Network, which is a very, very integral part of both those organisations I spoke about. They wouldn't exist if we didn't have that foundational value of the churches in this region working together. So I do work uh, on behalf uh, of the pastors and leaders of this city, uh, and I lead the leaders network. We, re- we meet together every single week as a group of leaders as we seek to care for and bring the love of Jesus to our region. Go ahead and explain some of Uh, Well, the three of them, if you like, a little bit more depth, if you like, some of the activities uh, of those uh, particular groups. Certainly. Um, So, Ian, it might be helpful for me to just uh, go back to um, 2005, uh, which is a few years ago now. Um, But uh, back in 2005, I was actually pastoring a local church here in the city. Um, And at that particular time, uh, there was... I was also involved in the same leaders network we have today, um, although it it didn't look quite the same as it uh, does today back then. It was more a uh, minister's fraternal then, uh, whereas now it is truly a network and a, and a group where we come together to encourage and build up one another and really bring together and harness uh, the different expressions of the local church churches and local church gatherings in this city, bring that together so that we can make a difference. But anyway, if I go back to 2005, one of the things that we identified was that uh, our educational facilities or uh, our schools across our region 
were a very, very key, uh, very, very key to building and establishing our communities for the future. Obviously, every community has a school and the majority of people within a community, uh, be that mums, dads, grandmothers, brothers, sisters and the likes, are connected with the local school. So we felt uh, as a group of church leaders at the time that we needed to really hone in and focus in on how we actually served our educational facilities better. And one of those ways that was identified at the time was uh, the work of chaplaincy and to make sure that we had active, godly, uh, life-giving chaplains in every one of those schools. Now, this was pre the government funding at the time. So this was before John Howard introduced the government funding. Um, and at the time there was other, there was uh, Scripture Union and other organisations were running chaplaincy. But we really felt as a group of Christian leaders that it needed to be something that was integral to the local church. And that's when Devonport Chaplaincy was born uh, in agreement uh, of the local pastors represented there at the time, 12 different denominations uh, from the Catholics through to uh, the Pentecostals and all of those in between. Um, and it's grown ever since. And uh, if I was to describe what Devonport chaplaincy looks like, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a comment that a local pastor made some years back. And uh, we were having a meeting at the time and he was trying to describe how our chaplaincy work as the Devonport churches work, you know, how it worked, how did it function? And he said, it's like this. He said, I say to my team that Devonport chaplaincy or our chaplains are one of the ministries down the corridor of our church. He said, I say to our team that if you walk down the corridor of our building, our church building or church office, uh, on one side, you'll have the pastoral care team. You might have the youth team. You might have the missions team, wherever. One of those doors is the work that we do together as the churches of the city being Devonport chaplaincy. And ever since then, it's grown to the point where we now uh, serve our schools with chaplains and we also have up to 80 or 90 Christians mentoring young people across our city. Now, bear in mind, our city's not big. It's only a population of just under 30,000. So it's not a big city. So to have 90, we've had up to 120, that ebbs and flows a little, but to have that many Christians one-on-one -on -one mentoring and giving life-giving input to the lives of young people is a great thing. And uh, we've seen many stories of of spiritual transformation through those mentoring relationships. So that's how Devonport Chaplaincy began. And uh, it's continued to grow since then with a, with a high level of respect from the education department, uh, regardless of all of the challenges that come around chaplaincy, we see some, we, we just continue to see God's blessing through the work of our chaplains. Uh, and we believe that uh, in the longer term, we're going to have a uh, full-time chaplain, a male and a female. That's our longer-term vision in every single one of our schools, representing and being the church day in, day out, along with the many mentors that will serve along beside them. I've been in your chaplaincy 
uh, building and it's quite a hive. You also, I think, um, have um, you own some cars where you teach young people to drive as well, do you? Yeah, so um, one of the things that we've done through uh, obviously our, our chaplaincy and our, our mentoring work uh, is identify that, that mentoring uh, is obviously a great way of uh, being good role models into the lives of young people uh, and families alike. Um, and for us, mentoring really, its key is about relationship. It's about making sure that we bring two good people together, in this case, Christians and people from our local churches to make a positive difference into the lives of young people. So when we do our mentoring, we then look, what are the ways in which we can actually outwork that relationship? That happens through tutoring. It happens through uh, other forms of connections within the local school. And one of those ways that we actually mentor is by helping young people gain their driver's licence. And particularly young people who um, don't have uh, mums or dads or even a vehicle to access, uh, we actually use uh, the mentoring relationship with the vehicles that we've got and we've actually been able to partner with the state government to get those vehicles and to get some funding for that. Uh, and what it enables us to do is help our young people get their 80 hours that they have to get. I think it might even be 100 up your way, um, but uh, 80 hours down here. Um, and that's significant. That's very difficult if you don't have a mum or dad or you don't have a relative or you've come from a disengaged family context or you don't have a vehicle. So what it means is that uh, young uh, mentors from within our church communities can sit alongside a young person, can help them get their hours, build those hours up. And obviously that's just the tip of the iceberg because it actually opens some incredible doors um, for relationship and connection. And I could tell you one particular story of a, of a gentleman who uh, from one of our churches who, who began mentoring a young student in grade five of primary school. Uh, he just last year, helped that young boy who was in grade 12 gain his driver's licence. He, he's been a mentor with him right through from grade five through to grade 12. That man, uh, the mentor, is actually uh, a great, he's really connected with that young man. He's now helping him, mentoring him in his workplace. He's doing an apprenticeship. He's also connected with the family and there's been salvation in that family, which is a very powerful thing. And that began right back in grade five, quite a number of years ago. So that's the power of mentoring. And that's why we believe having a couple of vehicles, three vehicles in our yard uh, that can be used uh, just as a practical outworking of the mentoring relationship. And then with loaves and fishes, you're reaching out to the very needy of not only of Devonport, but across the state. So explain a little how that works and some of its impact. So yeah, Loaves and Fishes is another, another part of uh, our operation um, here locally. Uh, Loaves and Fishes was started back in 2018 as, as a, another ministry of, of Devonport Chaplaincy. And it began out of our connection with uh, Second Bite back uh, in 2018 because of our involvement 
with school breakfast programs. We wanted to establish a uh, constant supply of, of ready to eat food or meals that could be used primarily for our, our school breakfast programs, but also for families and others doing it tough. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, that journey took uh, a big turn in that uh, Loaves and Fishes was established and we ended up taking over Second Bite um, back in 2018 and uh, became essentially became Second Bite in, in uh, Tasmania. And we've now established a full production facility in Devonport, which produces between five uh, to 8,000 ready to eat meals a week. Uh, we collect between 25 to 30 tonnes of fresh produce from local farmers, uh, which is then redistributed to over 350 community-based agencies across Tasmania. So we've actually gone from being just addressing our own needs uh, through the work that we do through Devonport Chaplaincy to actually addressing uh, the issue of, of food security or food insecurity across the whole of Tasmania. So we now actually work uh, as, a key, in a, as a key part of the Tasmanian government's uh, food security strategy to deliver um, food relief uh, to Tasmanians doing it tough. So we provide about now around 65% of Tasmania's uh, food security needs, uh, both, um, and to, to make it clear, we don't actually distribute the food directly to people, we actually distribute to agencies working on the ground. So the majority of those 350 agencies that we support, um, over 50% of those would be Christian aid, Christian organisations, churches and the likes. We would supply them with um, a supply of food on a weekly basis, which they then redistribute uh, to the people that they're working with on the ground. We believe that's an integral part of the role that we play in this food security space uh, because we actually believe that those agencies are the champions on the ground. They are the ones who uh, actually have the connection and have the relationship uh, and are able to uh, bring that holistic approach to the needs of people and families and, and young people within those communities, as we do through our work of Devonport Chaplaincy. So it's just been a real God journey, that, because uh, it's actually put us uh, in a very strategic position in that we're actually contributing significantly uh, to the issue of food security, providing food security here in uh, Tasmania. I actually believe it's giving us a far more positive, putting us in a far more positive position as far as uh, our work of chaplaincy, because they are one, they are one and part of one organisation. Um, so we're very grateful for that. God has used it in a very powerful way, as well as meeting that food security need as well. One of the other, there's a, there's a number of elements to the work of Loaves and Fishes. Uh, we, uh, not only do we uh, rescue food and redistribute food to those who need it. Uh, we also make sure that all of our staff, all of the people that are employed through Loaves and Fishes, of which there are around 40 now across the state, uh, apart from a couple of core positions, 
the majority of those are at risk young people or people that have come from difficult backgrounds that are doing traineeships uh, in hospitality, in warehousing, all of those types of things. One of the great things about uh, the employment positions that we offer here through Loaves and Fishes is that they are supported positions. So in other words, when people are struggling with mental health issues and come from other challenging backgrounds, it's important that they have the opportunity uh, to gain employment, to gain training, but they have it in a supported environment and Loaves and Fishes offers that. Every single one of our trainees and staff members have a mentor, a mentor from the local community, from the local churches. Um, so it's a very powerful ministry in many regards. The other layer, the third and final layer, is that Loaves and Fishes also has a social enterprise component. So we actually make money uh, as well as produce and distribute food for free. We also have contracts related to uh, food production uh, where we make money and that money goes back into either uh, our food relief work or in some cases back into our mentoring and chaplaincy work. So um, it's a really, really great uh, God thing. Um, it's uh, certainly not something we envisaged uh, go back 10 years ago, but we can clearly see that God had his hand on this and uh, he's given us a great, uh, in a sense, a great legacy and a great um, expression of the church actually going out of its way to be part of the solution. We've got huge issues here in Tasmania, as probably other states do around the cost of living. One in five Tasmanians every single day face food insecurity. That's been recent survey done just a few months back. That's a massive problem. And uh, that's increasing, sadly. Um, and, you know, we, we really have a incredible, we have been positioned in a, an incredible way as the church of this region, but not just this region, the church of Tasmania to be part of the solution and to make sure that hungry Tasmanians have food on their table when they need it. How do the people of the city perceive all of this activity? What's, what, do you, what do you think they think of the impact upon um, your place? Because you're small enough to probably be well known. And, so, uh, and that's a lot of activity you've, you've got that you've just described. I, I think that uh, one of the most powerful um, things I believe that has come out of, of both the work of Devonport Chaplaincy and Loaves and Fishes, but, but more importantly, the, that foundational value that, that the leaders, the Christian leaders of this city um, come together every single week uh, to support one another, to pray together um, and to learn together and to work out together what what can we how can we best work together for the sake of our city i guess that foundation what that does and what that speaks to the city is very powerful and to illustrate this um, i was only talking with a, a school principal just the other week and they were uh, we actually had one of the school principals come and speak to our pastors and um, he came along um, to one of our uh, weekly Thursday meetings where we get together. He came along and he sat there and, 
And one of the things that he said was that what I really love about the church of this city is the way that it works together, the way that it is not in competition with one another, but it's actually recognising the strengths that each part of the body bring to serving and caring for our city, and it's evident. We, I see it. I see it every day through the, the work of our chaplains. I see it every day and hear it every day through staff in my school. In This is a local high school. I see it in, in the stories that parents tell me, that, that this, the church in this city, and this man wasn't a, is not a Christian, but the church in this city is working together for the glory, he didn't use the word glory of God, but for the sake of others and for the sake of the city. And it's evident, and I see that. And he said, I think that's actually a very unique thing, and I don't believe it's something that's that common. That was his words, um, and uh, I think possibly he's right. It's, it's not a common thing. Uh, it's, I think it happens, but uh, it's certainly not a common thing. And I think that's a powerful thing because we know that uh, where there is unity, God will bring blessing. And I can testify to that scripture in reality that we have seen unity, we've seen blessing rather in this city in so many powerful ways. We've seen favour with our, our council. We've seen favour with our, our government as, at, at a state level. We've seen favour in provision. And I believe that that's because the church of this city is united and it's come together uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to communicate and bring the hope of Christ to the people of Devonport in this region. That's a great note to finish on. So thank you very much, Andrew Hillier and Devonport, Tasmania.